new CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. You never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. What's going on, everybody? Nathan King here from the Auburn Undercover Podcast. Wanted to just remind everybody about one of our great sponsors here on the 24-7 Sports Network, and that is Homefield Apparel. What is Homefield Apparel? You guys, the premium collegiate apparel brand out of Indianapolis that produces incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs like Auburn and all of their great logos and designs um, that they've had throughout their history. Homefield digs through the archives and history of your school to find unique logos, mascots, and moments to make thoughtful designs for your school. Obviously, one of their most popular collections is the Auburn collection now. Now over 20 pieces in total on their site, homefieldapparel.com. If you guys were anywhere on social media, you you were part of the Peacock movement. Um, If you're an Auburn fan of the Auburn basketball season, they've got a great Peacock shirt and Peacock hoodie that says Auburn Hoops. Easily my favorite design of theirs. Um, It's a great, great piece of of work for an Auburn fan to pick up to commemorate this basketball season. You guys can still get 15% off your first purchase at homefieldapparel.com with the code AUBURNUNDERCOVER. That's all caps, all one word. Auburn Undercover. Please go check it out. You guys love their product, have loved it for a really long time. If you guys have been anywhere in the world of college athletics in the past couple of years in terms of social media, like I talked about, they have been phenomenal. They've done a really good job of branding themselves and they back it up with a great product. And Auburn is one of their biggest sellers, like that new Peacock uh, jacket I was just telling you guys about. So be sure to go pick that up. Get 15% off your first purchase. Again, promo code, all caps, Auburn Undercover at checkout at homefieldapparel.com. Here on the Auburn Undercover Podcast, we are proud to be partnered with Prime Shrimp, a New Orleans-based shrimp company, to offer our listeners some delicious, easy-to-cook shrimp in just minutes. These guys have been peeling shrimp since the 40s, and they are excited to offer you guys restaurant-quality shrimp straight to your door in under 10 minutes without the usual mess and fuss. Take the frozen pouch out of your freezer, drop it in a pot of boiling water, and again, it's ready to serve however you want it in 10 minutes. You guys can head over to primeshrimp.com. And with promo code Auburn247, all caps, all one word, you can get $20 off your first order. Again, that's code Auburn247, all caps, all one word for $20 off your first order. If you don't love it, get your money back. Their flavors include Signature Season, French Quarter Alfredo, Garlic Herb Butter, and the Louisiana Shrimp Boil, which is personally my favorite. I'll tell you guys what I've done three or four times. Grab a loaf of French bread, bake it until it's crispy, get some lettuce, whatever other toppings you want, stuff some Louisiana Shrimp Boil in there and get yourself a po' boy. It is absurdly good. Get you some frozen French fries, pop them in the oven while you're making it. And it's super easy, super tasty seafood meal in like 20 minutes by the time you're done with everything. Remember guys, use code Auburn 24 seven, all one word, all caps, $20 off your first purchase at primeshrimp.com. Welcome back, everybody. Another edition here of the Auburn Undercover Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Network. My name is Nathan King. Happy Friday to everybody watching on Facebook or YouTube. Welcome on in, and uh, happy Saturday if you're listening to this on Saturday morning when the podcast is going to be put out. We are continuing our week-by-week look at Auburn's regular season opponents. It's San Jose State, um, and then most recently, obviously, we had Penn State, Auburn's Week 3 opponent. Now we're finally getting into the SEC schedule, and Auburn opens up SEC play this year 
with Missouri. It's a team they haven't met since 2017. They went into Columbia that season and handled them pretty well. I believe that was actually their SEC opener in 2017 as well. So now Missouri comes back um, to Jordan-Hare, Missouri in Jordan-Hare for the first time as an SEC team. So that'll be uh, that'll be pretty interesting. And we're going to bring on Mr. Max Baker here today. Um, he is our guest of honor to preview the Missouri Tigers. Max covers Missouri um, for St. Louis today, the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Max, thanks so much for uh, for joining us today. We're going to talk about a couple Tiger teams that went six and seven last year, um, both trying to trying to improve things in in 2022. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited uh, to just have the opportunity to talk with you. And yeah, a couple six and seven teams looking to turn the corner here. Yeah, and a couple guys who know each other. Um, I, I guess that's where I'll where I'll start because there is a bit of a relationship there. Um, with Eli Drinkwitz going back to his time at Boise State. Um, he was a, a Brian Harson disciple, if you will. He was the offensive coordinator there for a while. Um, what is kind of the opinion right now? I guess that's where we'll start, and then we'll, we'll get into kind of what the schedule looks like for Mizzou. Um, what, what has Drinkwitz accomplished so far at Missouri? He's a guy that Auburn fans knew actually before Brian Harson. He was a guy who was assistant under Gus Malzahn, too. Um, what has he accomplished right now and kind of what's the, the general vibe from the fan base toward what he's doing, you know, what he's done with the program so far and maybe the direction he has the program going right now. Yeah, he, he, he was on that 2010 national championship team when he was sort of the, I I think he was just like a GA sort of like a lower level position. And he brought in, I think that Curtis Looper might've also been on that team. He brought in, I think it was three as three assistants or three total coaches from that team with championship experience, I guess you could say, or at least like in the room, maybe Casey Woods. I, I think that might've been the other one. I might be blanking on the other, um, on the third, but they, you know, he brought in those guys and there was a lot of excitement. You know, a, a lot of people didn't really know what they were going to get with Eli Drinkwitz because he coached one year at App State and it was a pretty successful year. Um, but that was all, really all his head coaching experience um, at the college level. But ever since then, you know, they haven't, his first year was really exciting because he had a lot of, I guess you could say like trick plays is the offense was just exciting. It was different than under Barry Odom where they just sort of were pretty mediocre for four years. Um, and so when, you know, when he's been here, it's been sort of exciting. He got the top recruit and quite sometimes it's probably Doriel Green Beckham or um, Terry Beckner. You know, if you want to go on the defensive side of the ball, he got Luther Burden. So the recruiting has really energized the fan base, I think. And that's not something that really happened a lot in between um, Gary Pinkle and Eli Drinkwitz. So I guess you could say it's energized, but I think we're sort of starting entering the mode where the excitement might be fading if the wins don't come, if, if that makes sense. So I think, I don't know that this is the year that like the wins have to come. I don't know that this is the year that they have to go, you know, eight and four, you know, I don't think that's like a, realistic expectation because they're going to come in with a new quarterback. They're going to come in with a new running back, um, a revamped defense. They have a new defensive coordinator. So like everything is sort of just, you know, different now than I guess you could say. So I wouldn't say the expectations are that high, but we're approaching a point where the wins are going to start to have to come with the, with the recruiting rankings getting, you know, much better. Yeah. At least from, you know, from, I think from Auburn fans point of view, again, not being a super invested fan base into what Missouri has done because the, the teams haven't met um, in quite some time. I think there is a lot of interest in, e, in Eli Drinkwitz and, and what he's doing over there, but I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Kind of the, the honeymoon phase of, of recruiting and trick plays and, and kind of amping up the program. Um, seems like he's a highly energetic guy that, uh, that, that likes to 
get in front of the camera and, and rile up the program a little bit. But you know, now heading into year three for him, he started during that COVID season. Um, so he went five and five in 2020 and then six and seven last year. Let's talk about last season for Missouri. So like we said at the outset, um, same record as Auburn, a little bit different. Auburn lost five straight games to end the season. They were in the top 15 in the playoff rankings. At one point, they were approaching being a top 15 team in the country. Missouri, I mean, they lost their last two games, but they got a win over Florida um, in November, got a win over South Carolina um, as well. And if, if I mean, if I'm looking at it correctly here, they, they actually won three out of their last five SEC games. Um, but still overall, obviously, in terms of talent and whatnot, was 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 toward the bottom tier um, of the conference. What what was last season like and, and was it on par with expectations or was was a losing record overall a little bit of a disappointment? What, what would kind of be your overall assessment of what they did last year? I think it was uh, it, it was definitely below expectations because they it, they had a returning starting quarterback, which wasn't something that you you know had you 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 could say a lot for I guess even this year. But and they had an all American running back, so I think when you have a you know a returning starting quarterback in the SEC and an all American running back, the team probably should have been a lot better. But also, it wasn't that they just weren't winning as many games. It was just the way that they were losing them at the beginning of the year. Tennessee, I think they allowed. I it was like some crazy amount. It was like 45 points, I think, in the first half, Tennessee. And the game was over by the end of the first quarter. And against Texas A&M, it was kind of the sort of same thing. I think it was 21 nothing at the end of the first quarter. It was just like the defense just seemed like it could not stop the run for a lot of the. And so while the offense, you know, there was a little bit to blame throughout on both sides of the ball throughout the whole season, the defense didn't really give them much of a chance. And then when the defense started figuring things out, towards the end of the year, the offense sort of didn't figure, you know, started, you know, they were mixing up the starting quarterback, um, their old quarterback, Connor Bazelak, now entered the transfer portal, went to Indiana. So, you know, it was just sort of a mismatch, you know, mixing and matching, and there wasn't a whole lot of continuity on both sides of the ball at the same time. So I think you would say it was below expectations. While the record was fine, I mean, you almost have to look at it like, so they won six games, but one was Central Michigan, one was SEMO, one was North Texas, and one was Vanderbilt. So those are four wins that you almost can just chalk up at the beginning of the year. And while every team sort of has those, um, I don't. I think in games that you were sort of thinking maybe they might get put up a fighting chance, they just didn't. And so, yeah, that's what I would say. And losing the bowl game obviously was tough to Army because even though they're starting a new quarterback. Yeah, the quarterback situation is is probably where we'll dive into now in terms of the roster. Like you mentioned, Connor Bazelak, who um, had had some good flashes as a starting quarterback um, for Missouri. He was uh, he was a freshman at the same time. Or excuse me, he was he was a year um, younger than Bo Nix, um, and so he was the starter there for a good while. But he's transferring off, I believe, to Indiana, mm-hmm. um, and then they lose Tyler Beatty, like you like you referenced. He was drafted by the Ravens, and so. But starting with that quarterback position, it looked like it was going to be one way after spring practice. But then they went out and got an interesting transfer addition and a guy uh, in, in, in Jack Abraham who um, made a lot of hay at Southern Miss. Didn't necessarily do a bunch at Mississippi State, although he was only there um, for a year. Kind of what's your assessment on this on this quarterback competition? Because at least from 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 the outside looking in, it seems like it's going to be sort of reset in fall camp because they didn't have Abraham during spring practice. You know, the, the quarterback competition is interesting in that it's a, you know, there's four four guys that could win it. 
Um, and it's also like du- like doubly interesting because the new freshman that they got, uh, Sam Horn, who's one of the top rated quarterbacks in Georgia, is entering the ML. He's going to get drafted in the MLB draft, probably in a top three or four round pick. And so he's going to have to make a decision on whether he wants to choose professional baseball or choose college football. And while you know, obviously Eli can't wait to make a decision on that. He did say he wanted to wait for Sam Horn to get on campus before opening up the starting quarterback competition. So he clearly likes what he has in him. So I'm not sure. And he, he brought in Jack Abraham, I believe as a walk-on. So while, I mean, that's obviously they can change that mix and match that people under the, the, you know, the portal, they can, they could fix that later. But, you know, obviously I don't think he is giving that position away by any means. And Brady Cook sort of looked pretty good in the bowl game. I mean, that was his only real opportunity to show uh, much. And obviously it was against army. It was a bowl game. You know, things are very different in those games, but he wasn't playing with Tyler Beatty. He wasn't playing with the full, you know, offense that Connor Bazelik sort of had the opportunity to play with all year. So I think he, he might be sort of the guy Tyler Macon is a, a it, pretty much an elite runner. He wasn't, I mean, he, they, he didn't, he played, he started against Georgia, but he didn't, um, show very many flashes throughout the rest of the year. Uh, he had the most buzz coming out of high school out of the four quarterbacks, I would say maybe, you know, obviously Jack Abraham has college experience, but Tyler Macon was Eli Drinkwitz's maybe first big recruit um, that he got that people were really, really excited about after he went to the elite 11 quarterback camp and stuff like that. So I think I, I honestly, I'm not leaning towards one quarterback having the edge just because I haven't seen Jack Abraham in practice, I obviously saw what he did at Southern Miss. Saw he was at Mississippi State. Brady Cook looked, I thought, like the better of the two that were here last year. And then obviously, if Sam Horn is here for the long haul, maybe Eli just says, well, we're going to give this kid the reins for the next couple of years and see what we can get. I mean, we're rebuilding anyways. So, I mean, that, that that's where it stands right now. I, I wouldn't say that there's an edge to any of them at the moment just because it's so new. So it seems pretty wide open in terms it's of super wide. It seems like it's super wide open. And honestly, probably a lot of it depends on the MLB draft even. Yeah. Because if, if you know, if, if Sam Horn's the guy that Eli wanted, he didn't recruit. Um, I don't believe he recruited Brady cook. Um, he recruited Jack Abraham, but he wanted, he said that was for veteran to have a veteran quarterback. Cause he wanted someone who had started a college game on the roster just to help him. Um, so I don't even know if that was, more to bring him in just for someone to call plays, help call plays or signal and mentor younger quarterbacks, or if that was to actually play. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of different factors that might go in in the next month, two months here. Yeah. It's, it's good to get perspective from, from somebody on the ground because I had read something when Abraham committed that said, you know, he's got so much more experience than all these other guys. It seems like he's the natural fit to come in and be like, I actually saw that. Really, really. Yeah, he mentioned that in his opening press conference. He was like, I saw a headline that said Abraham was going to be the starter, and that's ridiculous or something. I don't know if he said it's ridiculous, wow. but like he was like, That's that's not that's not what's happening. And that's so he he saw that I think that same article that you saw. Perfect. Perfect. So we both fell for it. Good, good for it. Well, I did well, he didn't fall for it, of course. Is the <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I had I had assumed you know, actually he was a guy Abraham has been playing for so long. Auburn hosted Southern Miss in twenty eighteen. And he was their starting quarterback then, and I think he was like a redshirt sophomore at the time. So he's been he's been around for for quite a while. I thought he would just be a natural bridge. Um, you know, like you said, they've got a guy who's highly rated in in Sam Horn between that between those two eras there. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. What what else are they doing on offense um, this season? You kind of talked about how games got away pretty quickly from them uh, against better opponents. Of course, they they were able to get six wins on that schedule. 
um, you know, what are they doing to improve the offense? Because Auburn is in a similar situation. They've got, you know, they've got quarterbacks that have talent. They've got some interesting guys. They've got maybe a front runner in, in, in Zach Calzada from Texas A&M. But sort of the thought is, look, if everything else can't work around whomever wins the job, it's not really going to matter if you, if you don't have an offensive line, if you don't have receivers that are going to be able to be playmakers. So what is Missouri's plan to, to work around whomever wins the starting job? Yeah, I mean, they went in and they dipped into the portal to get a running back after losing Tyler Beatty. I mean, nobody really thought Tyler Beatty was going to have the year he had last year. So they went in and got uh, Nate Pete, Nathaniel Pete from Stanford, who has college experience. I mean, that'll help sort of a younger quarterback because it's going to be a younger quarterback unless it's Jack Abraham, who obviously was DK Metcalf's high school quarterback. So and they were the same year. So he's that old. I mean, like they yeah, they I mean, they he was his they were they I think they graduated in the same year. Um, he's at his seventh year, I believe now. Um, so, you know, he'll have that. And, you know, the wide receiver room is also young. They have Luther Burden, who's the number one receiver in the country. He's going to be a freshman. Honestly, the plan might be get him the ball as much as possible and just see what he can do. Um, yeah, they have Mookie Cooper, the Ohio State transfer, who showed a little bit of flashes last year, but not anything spectacular. You know, he was still sort of getting his feet wet after not playing for the last two years. Um, I think they're going to just sort of rely and their, their, their tight ends are probably one of their sort of weakest positions on the roster. They, I think they had three transfer from not mistaken. I know they had Daniel Parker jr. Went to Oklahoma and they had, uh, I think Messiah Swinson went to Arizona state. They, they have just a young sort of group on offense right now. And so it's, it's a lot of mixing and matching. Um, it's a lot of like, I, I think that they're going to be less, just going to have to find a way to get seven different receivers the ball during a game and just whoever's the freshest keep them rolling out that's kind of what he did last year with mookie cooper and all the different speedy wideouts he just rotated them in and out uh, you know after a couple plays and just kept them fresh so i think that might be the game plan is just to use his the different weapons they have on the outside with luther and mookie but you know maybe you know maybe they have someone completely different up their sleeve with the you know running court running quarterback offense i don't even you know i don't know at the moment Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Yeah, just you. Sorry, what you were mentioning about Metcalf and Abraham. High school class of 2016, which is when I graduated high school, um, which I don't think I'm that old, but I've been out of college for two years. So that's pretty crazy. To, and it looks like he enrolled early at Southern Miss. So he was he's been on a college campus before I even stepped on a college campus. And I've been graduated for two years. So, yeah, a little bit of experience. It'll be interesting to see, like you talked about, if um, if he comes in more of just kind of like a support role, but but an on the field guy. Um, you know, Auburn has a similar situation this year to where they've got guys at receiver, but they're not necessarily the most proven. 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's one thing to talk about talent, but it's another thing for it to play out on the field. Looking at the defensive side of the ball for Mizzou, um, maybe a few less less question marks. You can correct me if I'm wrong there, but it, it looks like maybe the defensive front is is stronger. Um, you know, got like a Trajan Jeff Code is is going to be one of the better defensive linemen in the SEC. Seems like they've got a few dudes um, in the secondary. Are you expecting them to lean on that defense in the early season while they're while they're figuring out the quarterback and the offense? Yeah, I mean, you know, it seems weird to say that they might lead on their defense just because of five games in the last season. I never would have expected them or expected myself to say that just because it's it was just like such. They, I think they fired their coach, their defensive line coach. I think it was like four or five games into the season. Wow. And he was a new hire into the season. So they, Auburn did that with their receivers coach. So, so yeah, it was almost like a, somebody had to go sort of move. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think you're kind of right. There's less question. I don't know if there's less question marks. Or there's, they're just, they have a lot of returning players. Darius Robinson, Trajan Jeffco, like you said, Isaiah McGuire kind of had a breakout year on the defensive line last year. And their secondary, they should be um, boosted. I, they lost Ennis Rakestraw, one of their, I don't, you, you might remember the viral video of drink was going crazy to get that first recruit. Um, I don't know if it was viral in the Auburn world, but it was viral in the world. I don't, um, I don't remember it. Maybe it, maybe it he came started screaming and running around the building when a kid committed to Mizzou over, Al- right. yeah, over Alabama and, uh, he'll be, he tore his ACL, I believe, and he'll be back. Good to go. Um, Chris Abrams drain was a former wide receiver that converted to the defensive side of the ball and was one of the best players in the country last year, um, in his first year. And so he'll have another year in, under his belt. Um, and Martez Manuel was a captain. He's a senior now. So I think the sort of back end of that defense will be their strength. And then also they have a very experienced line that could become their strength. I don't know if it will be, but they're, they're very sort of experienced. So you, you could say that they, they should be. And obviously they're kicking. I mean, that's, that's the best part of Mizzou's I mean, the team for the last three years is has been their kicker. Harrison Mavis has, I mean, whether or not, you know, how much you want to put into a kicker, but he is pretty much automatic for them and has been for three years now. Two yeah. years third year. You never know how much you miss a, a good kicker until you don't have one, until you're in a close yeah. game and you've got a 40, 45 yarder lined up. Um, Auburn's had the Carlson brothers for a while now. So they've been, they've been decently set and they just got the number one kicker recruit. In the country, so special teams importance is is certainly. Um, it always it always feels like there's a Carlson coming out of Auburn. There might be another one. I down the way. I don't. You would know better than me, but there's probably another Carlson out there somewhere that's coming. This out is the last one. Anders, um, Anders is the last one. It's an interesting situation because he tore his ACL toward the end of last season. He should be good to go after a few games into this year. But they have the number one kicker coming in, and so it's it's gonna be an interesting like kind of mentoring him for a few games then how will they handle it after Carlson comes in? Um, so I'm, I actually don't know who in this Missouri game in week four, I don't know who necessarily would be kicking in that game. I don't know if Anders would be um, good to go by then. But speaking of this game in particular, we'll, we'll, we'll get to the your thoughts on the Auburn matchup um, in just a second. But this schedule overall, as you are looking at, at 2022 for Mizzou, it seems like Auburn is their first. I mean, going to Kansas State is not easy. Um but it seems like Auburn is obviously it's their SEC opener. It seems like it's their first really big test um, of the season. What do you make of this 2022 schedule for them? What are what are kind of the win totals and and kind of projections for them that are being thrown around? And and honestly, where do you see them sort of lying in the East as we still sit? What is it right now? The, you know, toward the end of June, obviously we're looking at this thing from from a long way out. But how do you kind of see this team playing out based on their schedule? 
Yeah, you know, I don't really know if there is a win total at the moment just because it's such a new team that it's just it's I mean, you I, I would honestly expect them to win probably the same amount of games as they won last year, maybe win one more because they couldn't you could maybe say they underachieved um, last season. But again, like that, you know, would it surprise me if they had a really poor year? I mean, no, because it's just so everything was going to be so new. They're still playing Georgia. They're still playing Florida. They're going to Auburn. And I mean, I'm you know, we don't know what time that game's going to be at, but in, in, with a quarterback that probably has started zero SEC games under center. I don't think Mizzou is going to fare very well in that game. Um, I think that's going to be sort of a wake-up call for them. I think that's probably, I mean, going to K-State will help um, that sort of, it'll probably, I mean, unless it's Jack Abraham, it's going to be a first-time starter pretty much, um, at least to open a season um, under center or in shotgun, obviously, probably on in shotgun for Mizzou. Um, but, uh, so I, I really don't like that matchup for Mizzou. I don't think... I think there's just going to be a lot going on with, you know, people are going to be talking about Eli's homecoming. They're going to be talking about, you know, all the coaches that are coming down. They're going to talk about, maybe they'll even talk about the Bennett Durando, Adam Colbull and uh, you know, the, the, that, that play There's a lot of storyline. Yeah, I think we can make sure of that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I just don't like that matchup for Mizzou. It's it, being so early in the year. Um, so, but win total wise, I, I don't know. I obviously see them beating Vanderbilt, New Mexico state, um, Louisiana Tech and Abilene Christian knows you can chalk off as four wins. And I, it's when they, when you go to Tennessee and you go to South Carolina, that's, that's always, a, it's always a tougher year than when you play them both at home because you know, Georgia and Florida, you're probably not going to win at home anyways. So, I mean, uh, they did last year, Florida. I mean, they, Mizzou's actually had fared pretty well against Florida in the past, but you always know it's going to be tough and going to Florida is tough. So, I would say probably around six wins, seven wins, depending on how good Arkansas is. I would imagine they're going to be good. Um, and, you know, that game, that, that that sports weekend, too, is just insane, off topic. But I think that's the same that's the same time as the USA-England soccer game. It's, you know, it's yep. just a crazy weekend, too. So, you know. Yeah, it'd be a nice, uh, it's always a nice SEC warm-up. That's the day before the Iron Bowl. It's the day um, before. before Mizzou decided this year they're adding, Auburn and Alabama always play like the Citadel right before they play each other. Or something yeah. you decided they're doing that this year with new mexico state so i guess that's go. a new that's a new twist to the schedule that i kind of had forgotten about this year okay yeah yeah it's a nice uh it's a nice warm-up game traditionally um i remember growing up my both my parents went to went to alabama so i grew up going to alabama games pretty often they were playing western carolina one year and it was like their starting left tackle in like the second quarter went down with an, with an injury and, and was out for the iron bowl so it's like it's it's always it's always a great tune-up opportunity if you can avoid getting injured against the team that you're going to beat um, by 50. Yeah. Looking, looking here, those, like you said, Arkansas, I think that's, that's huge. It, it's good for them that they get that at home. I feel like Vanderbilt might be a little feistier, but like that's one at, off the bye week Like you have to have that one. Yeah. Um, so Kentucky is probably, probably Kentucky and Arkansas. As you look at the schedule right there is are you know, sort of flex games where it seems like they might, might go either way and might be key for Missouri get into a bowl game plus three out of your last four games there are um at home which is nice for mizzou um you already touched on it so i, I mean i was going to end with talking about that matchup with auburn but you, you've already you know discussed it a good bit um just i guess in the past or these past two seasons what you've seen out of Drinkwitz when they've been able to go in a game where they're an underdog which they i don't think they'll be a significant underdog in this game but like you said they're, they're not going to be expected to win this one 
what has been the formula for them, even if they haven't won these types of games in terms of competing, whether it's for the whole game, whether it's for a few quarters, what has been the formula for for an Eli Drinkwitz team to go on the road as an underdog and 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 compete and give themselves an opportunity to win this game? Because, like you said, it's in the early season, but but at the same time, Auburn bunch of question marks. We don't know how it's going to go the week before that against Penn State. We don't know if the quarterback situation is going to be solved, if it's going to be messy. So maybe Mizzou, it, this is a gettable opportunity if if something's kind of spiraling out of control. Um, but what what you know? independent from what Auburn does from whatever happens with them in the early season. Um, what do you think Mizzou has to do as again, we look at this thing super far out to, to keep that one competitive and yeah. give themselves a chance. I, I think that they probably just, they have to keep the game close going into the fourth quarter would be my sort of thing. That's, that's kind of been the biggest on when they've had it on the road. They, they really struggled against Mississippi state um, in Eli's first year um, in the final game of the season. they, I'm trying to remember how many other road tests they had last year. They went to Georgia, but obviously nobody was beating Georgia um, in Georgia last year. Um, so, I mean, Mizzou didn't really. They, they ran out of us. They started Tyler Macon for the first time. He was a true freshman making his first start in Georgia, which was just tough. Um, the other times they've been big underdogs on the road. I mean, Arkansas, they just they relied a lot on Tyler Beatty. They relied about a lot on their ground game. Um, and then I guess at Kentucky last year, they kept it close into the fourth and also relied on Beatty. I think he led the team in both like receiving yards and rushing yards. So they've really relied on their ground game and not their younger quarterbacks. Um, so maybe they'll rely on, you know, Nate Pede, who's been played in big games, played in big night games at Stanford um, in the Pac-12 back in, you know, last year, two years ago, even though he wasn't their starter for most of the time. Um, but I, you know, I, the thing is we haven't really seen it because in Eli's first year, the crowds were pretty limited yeah, the only time I can even remember there being like somewhat of a hostile crowd in his first year was the Dan Mullen, uh, Darth Vader game when, so like, I mean, and they really didn't handle that well. Um, so that, I mean, that the game was over pretty much at halftime and I think they had three players get ejected at halftime. So I think that, you know, that, that wasn't great. And last year they didn't really have too many road tests. I know they went to Vanderbilt and they went to Georgia. So, I mean, it's hard to compare those to six and seven Auburn, I guess Yeah, uh, there wasn't really that middle of the road. The only one I could say would be Boston college and Kentucky. And they kept those close, but made big mistakes down the stretch at the end. So I, I think, I think maybe they're going to rely on their run game with just a newer quarterback, but I, you know, that, you know, maybe, maybe they'll rely on their, on their defense. So he'll probably take gambles. I mean, Eli Drinkwitz is big into taking gambles and make, you know, they usually have paid off for him. Um, in his, in his play calling, but some that, that might be what he does, but I think he would get the ball to people who have been in those road environments before. Yeah. And like you talked about, there will be plenty of storylines drummed up before this one. One of which will be the fact that Drinkwitz is going to want this one pretty badly. I mean, he's, he's certainly going to be um, motivated to go in there and, and, and take down his old, his old head coach at Auburn. And obviously on a, you know, from a bigger perspective, start off Missouri with a win and it's sec schedule. So I'm, I'm excited for this one just because it's been a while. Um, 2017. It's, it seems like a really long time ago. Jared Stidham was Auburn's quarterback It's carry on Johnson. Auburn went to the sec championship game um, that season. So a little bit different of a scenario right now for their next time playing Missouri. And the first time um, they've ever hosted Mizzou as an sec opponent inside Jordan Hare stadium. So Thanks so much to Max for hopping on today. Um, he's pinch hitting of sorts. Uh, we do not. I found out this week we do not have a Missouri twenty four seven site. So Max again um, writes for the St. Louis um, Post Dispatch. You guys can follow him on Twitter 
at Max Baker underscore 15. Keep up with this stuff this summer as that game gets closer. And obviously we'll link back up with him um, when week four approaches and, and we finally get there to talk a little bit more. Once we will it will be three weeks in the season, we'll definitely know a lot um, about these teams. So we'll we'll retouch on those quarterback questions and all the questions we have about these teams. So should be a really exciting matchup. Thanks so much to Max again. Go give him a follow. Appreciate you guys listening today. Uh, if you guys enjoyed it, please leave us a five-star review. That's the number one thing that helps us out. The intro and outro music is by Beats by Mordecai. You guys can follow him on Twitter, SoundCloud, and Instagram. Until the next episode, everybody have a great weekend. We will talk to you all soon. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.